Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Christina Wallace. And I'm Kate Scott Campbell. And you're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist. A podcast for human Venn diagrams. Coming at you every single Monday. And hosted by us. talking with Mina Markham, a front-end architect at Slack, a public speaker, self-taught technologist, and, much to our delight, a sastronaut, which you will find out what that means later on. Mina was also one of the first tech hires on the Hillary Clinton campaign, and she created the famous pantsuit UI pattern library. Well, I mean, it was famous in certain circles. 
trust me. Even though those aren't my circles, Christina tells me that it was indeed famous in those circles that I would love to be a part of someday. (laughs) It was famous in those circles. We discuss how to find your purpose by figuring out what parts of your work you really love and understanding how our perception of limits is often a function of our individual talents and the cultural canvas of permission and possibility for those talents. Yes, what Christina said. Nina (laughs) also explains exactly what a front-end architect does, and she tells us how she developed her impressive technical skills by learning from the world's most famous teacher who, fun fact, everyone, including you, has access to. That's right. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Let's do it, but only if you bring on the sass. Oh, don't worry. I have lots of sass. Can't you hear it? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, Christina. Hi, Kate. Hey, Mina. Hey. We're so happy to have you on the show, Mina. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you so much for asking. This is going to be fun. Oh, my gosh. Totally. And you are in my, I'm just going to say it, hometown of San Francisco. Got to give some hometown pride. What's the weather like? You have so much hometown pride. I'm surprised you haven't just moved home at this point. You love pointing out to every guest on the show from the Bay Area that you, too, are from the Bay Area. I think it might be, I think it might be an L.A. thing. You know, I got to just keep, remember, remember the other city in this state that I love so dearly that rates me so well. Uh, That's fair. I mean, I feel like to anyone who's ever lived in New York, the second they find out someone lives in New York, they're like, ooh, I used to live there. What street are you on? Oh, I also used to live in New York. So, Mina, let's talk about that, too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We have so much to cover in this episode. We wanted to get started first with a quick little shout out. We've been doing this a couple of episodes now. You guys seem to like it. Kate, who are we giving a shout out to on uh, our Twitter followers today? Yes, I feel like we have become the unofficial news line for Admiral Grace Hopper, which makes us so <laughs> excited. Our our handle on Twitter and on Instagram is indeed at Admiral Hopper. And Caitlin Pladson, at Caitlin Pladson, uh, shared a photo of her company, of her office with us, and tweeted, guess who my company named one of their biggest conference rooms after? And there's a gorgeous picture of Admiral Hopper herself, along with a great bio right on the conference room. Uh, So kudos to your company, Caitlin, for not only naming a conference room after a lady, uh, but after uh, Grace Hopper and giving her it sounds like a nice piece of real estate. So we're very happy to hear that. I was just going to say, I'm proud that it was one of the bigger conference rooms. Yeah. Uh, we just did a conference room naming at Bionic. And the first go around, uh, we realized, first of all, we didn't have that many women named on conference rooms. And secondly, all of the big spaces were named after men. All of the little bitty breakout rooms were named after women. And we said, no, this is not good enough. And we went back and did a second go around. So now we've got a good proper Oprah and uh, Sarah Blakely and a Beth Comstock. And, and, you know, the prime real estate is split between the ladies and the gentlemen. So I'm very proud that Grace Hopper, our lady, the Admiral Hopper, has... A proper size conference room befitting her. <laughs> Absolutely. I feel like I would want to be in the Oprah room all the time. Just, all the time. Those I feel are the like best the chairs. ideas. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, gotta be honest. extra points for the chairs. I love that. Extra. Well, Mina, you are in a conference room right now, aren't you? 
I am. I am indeed. Does it have a fun name? (laughs) It does. Um, I'm actually at the Slack offices and all of our conference rooms here are named after emojis. So currently I am in the shell conference room. Oh, shell. I love that the shell emoji. Shell. Um, They're named after emoji, but also they're like themes. So we have a corner that's all aquatic kind of emoji and then like foresty type emojis and yellow things. So I'm in the aquatic (laughs) corner with the shell emoji conference room. You know, I'm going to be honest. I I didn't realize there was a shell emoji. So clearly that's not in my most used. But I guess my bigger question is when you're reserving it, do you type out the word shell or do you include the emoji in your email request? Such a great logistic You have to actually select the word. Unfortunately, we can't search by emoji just yet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Love that. I hope that there's like an info desk person room because isn't that what that one's called where like the girl's hand is up or the guy's hand is up? I just, I love the ones that have, isn't it? Is it really? Yeah. We don't have it, but yes, it's actually called Info Best <sighs> Person, which I, because it's my favorite emoji, yes. so I oh, found I out what it's called. Know that. <laughs> I yeah, always I talk that. about it as the Hermione Granger emoji, you know, <laughs> the girl with her hand up. <laughs> I have no idea why it's called that, but yeah, it's Info Best Person. Yeah, just so helpful. Thank you. And also appears to like be kind of primping her hair, which, hey, you can be both. We're all into that here. Love it. Well, oh speaking about things that you can be or or might not even realize you can be. That's right. I am segueing. You always have the most amazing segues. I'm like, where's she going? Thank you. Oh right. Yeah, see Christine, if I'm surprising you, then I know I'm on my game. Do you know what I mean? That's that's gonna be my new goal is to always just keep it fresh. Um so Christina, you found a cool brain pickings piece. Do you wanna um, tell us about it? Sure. So, I mean, if you haven't checked out brainpickings.org, she's also on Twitter, uh, Maria Popova. She's just this amazing, I don't know what we call her, curator, thinker. I don't know. She just, she finds the most interesting things on the internet and and is able to put them together in a newsletter and synthesize them um, in such an interesting way all the time. I think I just said interesting seven times in one sentence. So it was appropriate. going to work on that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so she found this um, amazing article, I guess it was back in January, called The Art of Knowing What to Do in Life pioneering astronomer Maria Mitchell on purpose beyond expectation and choice unbounded by convention, which already, you know, it's making my armpit sweat a little. You're like purpose and choice unbounded. <laughs> this is a lot, right? And and I think this is a pretty common question that we get um, from our listeners and, you know, random people. I mean, in, in the line at Starbucks, when I tell them what it is that we, we talk about on this show, this idea of, you know, carving your own path and finding these intersections between the worlds of STEM and the worlds of the arts and kind of creating that unique spot for yourself the question often is like, I have all these interests, but I don't know what I want to do, or I don't know what my purpose is, or I, I'm not sure where I should, you know, build this path. And I thought this is just a really interesting article. I did it again. Interesting. Um, uh, particularly, here's <laughs> a great quote from this. It says, the choices we make in life in discerning what we ought to do are invariably limited by our perception of what we can do which are in turn a function of our individual talents and the cultural canvas of permission and possibility onto which these talents can unfold. And I I just thought that was such a compelling 
way, and in my view, maybe a slightly better way of phrasing the whole you can't be what you can't see phenomenon. And we've talked about this on the show before and why I don't like that phrase. But I think this is a really great way to frame it where you're saying, you know, there is this kind of uh, limit often when you are projecting both your talents and kind of that cultural canvas of permission and possibility as figuring out who should I be and what should I do? And she opens with this great line, to know what one ought to do is certainly the hardest thing in life. Mm-hmm. Doing is comparatively easy. Oh, so uh, true. I, I'm just chiming in to just give a y- big yes to how difficult that <laughs> that is. <laughs> well, it's, it strikes me as, um, so I gave a talk this weekend, uh, this past weekend in Atlanta for a conference, and they gave me um, this adorable mug as my gift along with my check. And uh, the mug says, set goal, smash, repeat. And it, it reminded me of the conversation we had back around the balanced scorecard which is often what you know what you set as your goals are the things you then go achieve which seems very obvious when you put it out there that way but it it's sort of related to in tech we have a a phrase that's sort of or i guess in entrepreneurship in general what is measured is what is valued that's not exactly the wording we use around it there's there's like an alliteration i'm getting it wrong but the idea is simply you know what you can measure is what matters there we go i got it and it reminds me of sort of when you're setting the wrong goals or when you're not sure what you should do it's so much harder to do the second step which is to do it and trying to figure out first and foremost what we should do and and where we belong is probably the the harder of the two things. And so I guess my question to Mina um, and maybe even to Kate as well is when did you figure out your purpose or are you still figuring out your purpose? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I was going to chime in and say, Mina, I'm so curious to hear you weigh in on this because could you have, when you were younger, thought about even knowing what being a front end architect is? Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I know it. Did that exist even, you know? Wow. Yeah, it probably didn't exist. And even if it did, I definitely had no concept of what it was. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, when did I find my purpose? Um, I think I'm still sort of finding it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of happened gradually. I gravitated towards more, um, I guess, getting into my background a bit. Like, I used to be a print designer, and I started doing that because. I worked on the school newspaper in high school and I noticed that I had I spent a lot more time and I had a lot more fun designing the layout of the articles I wrote versus the actual like writing of the article. Uh, so mm-hmm. I started I gravitated towards designing things because I just discovered that hey, this is a lot more fun. I enjoy doing this more. And mm-hmm. from there, when I started studying how to, you know, be a designer, and that's actually what my degree in the, is in is in graphic design. But later in my education I started designing um websites and um web applications because that's just where the industry was going. And I would notice that, okay, well, I'm designing these things, but I have no idea how they become, like, real. Like, how does it become a website? How does it get on the computer screen? And I was sort of fascinated by the that process. And I started, like, studying on my own, like, reading blog posts and reading, like, 
tutorials about how designs become code and things like that. And I sort of played around with it a little bit and I discovered like, hey, this is kind of fun. I, I, I like doing this part a little bit better. So I shifted my gears towards doing that. And I think that I've just, I've sort of gradually been come closer and closer to what makes me like really happy. And I guess mm. that's that's kind of how I just define like finding my purpose is like what can I do every day and be happy doing it? I can't function in like a position or in a role where I am like actively like unhappy or miserable most of the time. I don't think most people can. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I have sort of found my purpose by figuring out what makes me happy. What do I enjoy doing every day? And that drive to figure out like where am I happiest has sort of been like the defining factor, like how I choose, like where, how I spend my time started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. 
Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell. I love your story about working on the school newspaper and being able to pinpoint the design better than I like the writing of the articles. Mm -hmm. Even just the ability to distinguish those two things from one another just showed that you were able to kind of creatively look at your work and say, like, what's resonating with me? I think for me, so much of my unhappiness is that, like, I had heard this two steps to success. Step one, figure out what you want. Step two, go get it. And I could, you know, sit and think for years about like, what do I want? What what does that mean? Like basing that off of just what is already out in the world, right? Contrasting with what you're talking about, which is like doing things, noticing what's resonating with me about them, and then seeking to do more of that to be happy and allowing myself to be surprised by, you know, what those things are and what form that might take. Well, the thing I love about this framing from both of you is that it allows for this period of life, let's call it post-college, roughly maybe your 20s, where, you know, you want to be happy-ish, but that exploration, that process of figuring out what are the things that I'm doing that I enjoy and what are the things that I'm doing that I'm not enjoying it requires that period of exploration and that understanding that not everything is going to be amazing 
all the time. And I think sometimes when I'm talking with some really cool, high potential, impressive young people that are out of college and they're like, but I'm not happy. I'm like, you're 22. (laughs) I get it. There's a lot more that you're going to have to figure out before you kind of really understand what makes you happy. It allows for you to, to search. And I think it, it sets that expectation that the search is part of the process of figuring out who you're supposed to be. And that that search isn't over the second you have a diploma in hand and a degree in a field and boom, you should now, you know, have a direction. Um, And that search takes a different length of time for every person. I like framing it around, uh, you know, just do a little and observe and then redirect based on what you've observed. I totally agree with you, Christina. And I think the great thing about experience is, is that you just get more information under your belt, you know, and it took me a while to figure out that I couldn't make choices based on just thinking. I had to make choices about doing stuff and then reacting mm-hmm. to whether or not I liked that. And if I did, mm-hmm. I'd try to do more of it. And if I didn't, yeah. then I'd have to shift, you know. I love that. Speaking of someone who does some very impressive <laughs> things, do you like that? That's that a was great my segue, segue, Christina. <laughs> I'm going to give you so many um, gold stars for that. <laughs> we are just absolutely elated to have Mina on the show tonight mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, I've been following your career for a couple of years. You first came on my radar when you wrote this incredible Medium post about the Hillary Clinton UI Pattern Library. <laughs> Hold on to your hats. We're going to have her explain what that is in a second, people. Um, this Medium post, it made the rounds on Twitter uh, back in August. But even before that, I'd been seeing articles in Wired and Fast Company about the really incredible and sophisticated technology that the Hillary for America campaign was building. Your campaign job title was Senior Software Engineer. And I think this might have been tongue in cheek, but I like that it's part of it. Pantsuit Seamstress. Yes. Hillary for America, which now makes sense to me now that I know that the UI library was called pantsuit. (laughs) So can we just start with an explanation, uh, especially for our listeners who don't have a ton of experience in tech, on what a UI pattern library is and why it was so groundbreaking to build one for the Hillary for America campaign? Sure. Um, Yeah, the pantsuit seamstress is, that was just me being tongue-in-cheek because I I thought it was funny and people who knew what I made totally got it. So yes, it it accomplished its goal. Um, But the pattern, a pattern library is a sort of collection of uh, UI or user interface patterns that can be utilized to create uh, different interfaces for uh, websites or web apps or uh, or any kind of like web product. And it's something that's sometimes called a web toolkit, but it's a tool for both designers and developers to use sort of defined reusable patterns for like very common elements like uh, button styles or navigation menus or drop down menus and things of that nature to quickly build interfaces that all look like one cohesive brand or one cohesive experience. Mm. Pantsuit itself, I it's more it was more of a design system, which is slightly different than a pattern library because a design system is like an umbrella under which a pattern library lives. Okay. Um, it also includes like a 
the CSS framework, which is um, a coding framework that translates those UI uh, patterns into something that developers can use to make those interfaces. It also includes like a style guide that documents how to use these elements and how to create interfaces that are consistent with the overall uh, visual language of the brand. So Pansu kind of encompassed all of those things. And it was like a a how-to guide for making web pages and apps under the Hillary for America umbrella. And what made you decide to publish a Medium post about this? I mean, it sounds like a really exciting toolkit that your team was able to use, but why make it public and, and talk about it as a tool openly? Um, I was asked to do that, actually, by the uh, campaign tech leadership. We started blogging more about our our engineering process just because other engineers like to hear how other people work. And there's there's lessons to be learned about finding out how other organizations and other teams work. So we were sharing what we could about the way we work as one, just like to do general knowledge share with the community, but also it was a tool to kind of help us build up our team. We were still Mm -hmm. doing recruiting to get other engineers to join the campaign and like help us out in those final stretches. So it was also a way for us to share, hey, this is what we're doing and don't you wish you could help us do this kind of stuff too. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a twofold where we wanted to like share and give back to the community that we had been like learning from all of our time, but also to kind of show them, hey, this is the kind of cool stuff we're building and maybe If you can help us out, that would be great, too. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name's Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In your own journey to uh, the Hillary Clinton campaign, you previously were working as a front-end architect at IBM in Austin, Texas, when you moved to Brooklyn to join the campaign. So curious, why or what made you make the switch? And what was similar in your job on the campaign to your experience in the tech industry and what was different? And that also might mean explaining to our listeners who aren't sure what a front-end architect does, sort of what you were doing before. And I know you're also doing that now. Okay. Well, 
similarly, like like pantsuit seamstress, front end architect wasn't actually my official title. It's was a more descriptive term for what I did. Um, a front end architect essentially is a person who is focused on improving code quality and creating like efficient and sustainable workflows and helping to create tools for other developers to use. Mm. So whereas like a front end developer, their end user or their like end target would be a the website user like the the end goal the person who visits the website a front-end architect their user tends to be other engineers or other developers they tend to make tools for other people like them to use and mm-hmm. since that's more of the work i find myself doing like pansu was a tool for the, the tech team it wasn't a tool that anyone outside the tech team ever touched so mm-hmm. i tend to work on things more like on projects more like that so i found that the term front-end architect fit um, it's actually a term that was coined by uh, a friend of mine, Micah Gopal. He wrote an entire book about it. And so, like, when I saw this term, I was like, yeah, that actually pretty accurately describes the kind of work I find myself doing. So that's what I did while I was at IBM. I worked on um, internal, like, style guides for enterprise products for um, both other engineers and product designers to use. And it's definitely what I found myself doing at the campaign where I would build pantsuit for our designers and our developers. And similarly, it started, it's what my role here at Slack is is becoming to be. I'm helping to start build out these kind of tools and systems for other engineers at Slack to use. What I love about that is that you're not afraid to use a word that technically wasn't on your business card, but helps people understand what exactly you do. I think a lot of our listeners struggle with this. They say, but my title was X, but no one understands what X means. Mm -hmm. And so I love that this is a great example of you can still have your, you know, your senior engineer title, but find other words to more accurately describe what you do so that people understand it. Yeah, um, my title at IBM was actually like product designer, and that for various reasons was not at all accurate as to what the kind of work I was doing. And when my, my friend Micah came up with this term, described the kind of work that he was doing, it's like that actually very closely fit what I was, the kind of work I for one, I am doing and enjoy doing and want to do more of. And so like, I've just started to like use that as a way to better tell people exactly what my kind of my, my role is and what my skill set lies. Because like you said, like I can either be like product designer, which didn't really fit, or I could be a front end engineer, which was more closely what I was doing, but still didn't feel quite right. So yeah, I, I really like having like a term that really described like my skill set to people who just didn't necessarily know it. Well, it, it reminds me of um, a tweet that you recently retweeted, um, a, another engineer, Una Kravitz, who was sharing this frustration that even in 2017, tech companies don't know what to do with these hybrid skill sets, specifically people who have both design and engineering skills. And it, it sounds like this is what you're, you know, this sort of frustration of, I'm not a product designer, but I'm not really an engineer is the day job. What is that kind of intersection between that this front-end architect title better fits? Why is tech still challenged by people who don't fit neatly into a single box? Why, even in a world where those fields are so closely intertwined, like the tech world, why is that still a, a challenge, do you think? 
You know, it's really hard to say. I th- my experience has been that the design or teams and the engineering teams tend to be like under separate umbrellas. Mm-hmm. They tend to have different reporting structures. So I think it's one, it's more of like a logistical, you need to be on a team and these two teams don't have any kind of overlap so you have mm-hmm. to pick between being like on the design team or being on the engineering team so i think in some ways it's kind of hr or title driven where they just don't have a defined role for these kind of people who straddle both of these skill sets um mm-hmm. actually because i just recently like i just recently finished doing lots of job hunting and i kind of have some experience with this firsthand where i had companies that told me me that we really would love to hire you but we can't find a role that fits your skill set and mm. um it, it's it's slightly frustrating and for me and I was soon <laughs> for the for the organization as well just because like I am a very capable person but because of like the way the, the work is assigned or the workload is structured I can't fit in certain mm-hmm. team structures and it's yeah i mean i i missed out on opportunities and the organizations miss out on having me there because they can't you know find a place for me mm-hmm. and i mm-hmm. think it, it does lend itself to the fact that both of these teams tend to uh, design teams and engineering teams tend to have like yet yeah, completely different like reporting structures and usually are under different organizations and don't have a lot of overlap mm-hmm. um it has been my experience that if you are at a a newer company or like a startup or a smaller company or a place that's like just starting to define teams and roles, it's a lot easier to be one of these uh, people who straddles different skill sets because you're expected to take on more of a, a more hats in mm-hmm. those kind of areas. So you're better able to carve out your own uh, niche very early on, which is what happened to me at the campaign because I was there so early in the process, they were able to identify what I was strongest at and kind of my role sort of warped and evolved around like what my skills, my, my best skill sets were. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, yeah, lurking at a smaller place or a place that's like early on in the process is definitely better suited for people who like don't fit in like very structured areas. Mm-hmm. That's such great advice. I love it. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up... (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC 
was leading a secret double life. Is she breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready. You know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
you know, speaking about you and your Venn diagram of skills, you have a formal design education from Syracuse, where you also studied women's studies. And I'm so curious about how and when did you build your tech skills? Uh, we found this great interview uh, of yours on Com Arts, where you talk about, you know, really, it seems being self-taught in a lot of ways and really being resourceful about learning those skills. So how and when did you build your tech skills? And when did you realize that you could combine your artistic experience with an interest in tech? It happened pretty organically and it happened probably around my senior year of college when mm -hmm. I was just starting to do more uh, web oriented projects, but designing more uh, web products. And specifically when I was designing my own portfolio, one of my assignments was to design a website portfolio so I could showcase my design projects to potential employers. Mm -hmm. And as I was designing the site, I was designing things, but it, I didn't quite understand how to make it an actual website. Like, I didn't know what the process was from from going from, like, my Photoshop file to something that was living on the web. Yeah. And I took one class that was helping me to, like, taught me, like, very basic HTML and CSS. And at the time, Flash was very big, so it taught me how to make a site in Flash. And Oh, Flash. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, I My first couple of portfolio sites were in Flash, and that was, like, a gateway for me to do more, like, web product because it was it felt more designing because I was like basically mm -hmm. drawing in the in the interface and as opposed to like trying to code something so mm -hmm. that was my first four way into making um, an actual like web product was using Flash to create my portfolio site but once I started digging in more into like other people's portfolio sites I started viewing the source code of them like how did they do this how did oh, they do that and I love that. it was basically just sort of like looking at other people's stuff and digging into the the code and kind of copying what I saw until I figured out how it worked and mm -hmm. I, I did that over and over again I got deeper and deeper into you know html css javascript I got deeper into all of these areas until I could do it on my own without having to like look at someone else's examples and mm -hmm. throughout that process I kind of figured out that I really enjoyed doing that and enjoyed seeing the designs I was making come to life as opposed to like designing them and giving them to someone else and kind of hoping that it worked out the way I wanted it to so it was it was nice to be able to like take it from beginning to end on my own mm -hmm. and that was how I taught myself how to be an engineer that I <laughs> I learned from viewing other people's code, viewing the source code and just figuring out how they did what they did and making a lot of mistakes on my own. That is so inspiring. I'm just picturing like this montage of Mino, like sleeves rolled up <laughs> late at night, like researching source code, making your own, like there's great music behind it in my brain. <laughs> but you picturing know, like, she, like pushes the glasses up off the bridge of her nose uh, and she's just oh it's like three in the morning you have glasses I, in my montage i don't know if you wear them that, in real life but i i rarely wear my glasses but <laughs> yeah it's it would be accurate to say that um that your <laughs> montage probably sounds a lot more exciting than my life actually was. like really it was just me like staring hunched over my computer at 2 a.m like it was it was not at all that <laughs> 
gamers. <laughs> did you seek out mentors along the way? Or did, did you have people that you could ping on random questions? Or did you go to the message boards and ask questions of strangers? H- how did you get over those humps? Because I think a lot of a lot of people, uh, you know, are autodidacts and, and can be self-taught. But there's always that spot where you're like beating your head against the wall and you don't know how to get over that that hump how did you do it I like to joke and say that Google was my teacher like I literally, <laughs> I literally would Google any question I had like I think at some point I was I was googling like very basic things like what is CSS like what is JavaScript because I had no concept of any of this going into it and mm-hmm. I was pretty much able to find any answer to a question I had on like Stack Overflow or CSS tricks or any kind of like web-oriented site or message board. I didn't have any people to turn to. I didn't really have a lot of, like, mentors in that sense. I I think I still don't really have a mentor in that sense, but I had learned the web was my instructor, I guess. I would search for any and everything online, and I would learn that way. And I kind of got over, like, being afraid to ask, quote-unquote, stupid questions just because I was never going to learn anything but didn't ask the questions. Like, I didn't know it. A lot of web tutorials kind of assume a certain level of knowledge, which Mm. for someone starting out can be very, very frustrating. And so I I understand that frustration of like being scared to to dive into something that's unfamiliar to you because it does feel like people sometimes are talking over your head. And I kind of I learned to just literally just would search for the most seemingly basic questions because I was never going to figure anything out if I didn't Mm -hmm. if I didn't do it that way. That is so empowering for so many of our listeners, Mina. Montage or no montage, just hearing you, <laughs> hearing how you were able to have the courage to ask questions and yeah. also just really like dig to find out what you needed, including just starting from quote unquote basics. And I put that in quotes because they're really not basics for a lot of people. And just to be able to break through into that is just really, really inspiring. I certainly remember when I started my first tech startup and was asking people, you know, how should it was a, an e-commerce uh, company called Quincy Apparel. And um, we we're like, you know, wh- what what should we build? And, and I had done a little bit of coding in high school and college. I was certainly not any kind of neophyte. People were like, well, you know, the really thing there's like Ruby on Rails or there's Python or there's all these things. I was just like nodding and smiling and just like taking frantic notes to go home and Google of like, what is Ruby? What are they talking about? What are the rails that Ruby is on? I don't understand. Is this a trend? Uh, and no, I, was just I, I like, still take don't the know, frantic so. notes and go Google. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I really like you know Google being the unofficial professor. Uh, that's that's so awesome. So Mina, to talk about something else that's in your skill set, you also do a lot of public speaking, including running a public speaking workshop through GitHub, which is awesome. And you're really good at it. How did you first develop your interest and skill in talking about your work in a public speaking capacity? It's such an important and and big skill, and it's one that can also be really intimidating for a lot of people without a performance background. So how did you get in and figure out that you wanted to do it and could? 
Oh, wow. Um, okay, so public speaking happens really randomly for me. Um, <laughs> uh, maybe about, I think, 2013 or so, um, as part of me trying to learn as much as I can about web development and brand development, I started attending conferences. And I attended this one conference that was in St. Petersburg, Florida, front-end design conference. And I really, really enjoyed it. And so I, I enjoyed it for a lot of different reasons. But one thing that they did was they reserved the second day of the conference for attendee speeches. So uh, as a uh, anyone who was just attending the conference it could sign up for like a 15 or 20 minute slot to talk about whatever they wanted to talk about. And I saw a bunch of like people who weren't necessarily quote unquote like experts in their field getting up and sharing mm. what they had learned and what they were working on. And I was like, okay, that's kind of, that's like fun. Maybe, maybe I could do something like that. But I, <laughs> I held off on doing it for a long time because it's again, very, it's a very scary, frightening prospect to get up there and talk about anything really, particularly in front of people who I was still learning from. Mm. I remember I read this article around the same time about how there was like a lack of female speakers and a lack of female voices in the tech industry. And this quote kind of just seared into my head where it was like one way to solve the problem of a lack of female speakers is to become one. And (laughs) it just, I mean, that. It's that's true for that. That can be true. There's also like slightly problematic part of that statement, but I won't go into that. But anyways, that's kind of seared into my brain, and it's like, okay, well, could I do this? Like, is that something I'm able to do? Like. I struggle with whether or not I actually should because it's like, well, I'm not an expert or anything. I'm still figuring stuff out. Like, what? Why would people want to listen to me? And it was the the organizer of that conference at the time, um, Dan Denny. He's a great guy, very supportive. He was like, you know what? Just try it and see see what happens. And so I signed up. I gave my very first talk. 20 minutes about uh, SAS and uh, using foundation and just something that I've been playing with, something that I assumed everyone knew how to do when I was just like being stupid and people were like not paying attention. And afterwards, I got such amazing feedback. They're like, that talk was great. I learned so much. And it just kind of hit me like, wow, I, I really do have something that I can share with people and somebody might get something out of it. And so from there, I started to submit more proposals um, about something that I found interesting, which I think it was SAS and responsive design and using um, CSS architecture, things that I was still learning how to do myself. And I was submitting talks to various conferences and then people were accepting them. And after I got like my first like real acceptance, my first real invitation, it's like, okay, crap, I have to do this now. And it's like 45 (laughs) minutes and it's 45 minutes of me. That's a long talk. Yeah. Like it's such a long time to talk on a stage by yourself. And I kind of did it and I was terrified the entire time. I'm pretty sure like I, I was shaking, like visibly shaking. And there was like, I was sweat. It was not, (laughs) it was not a good experience for me. Like I was really nerve wracked the entire time, but after it was over, I got people telling me, wow, that was really good. Like I learned so much, (laughs) but I also got a bunch of women who came up to me and was like, it's really good to see another woman on stage. And I felt like after that, I'm like, well, I have to keep going. Like I can't stop now. And so I, I kept doing it. And 
you know, you do something after a while, practice, you get better at it. So like the more I did it, you know, the better I got, I got more comfortable. I still get really nervous and really anxious and panicky right before a talk, but I've gotten like more comfortable with the idea of getting up there and talking to people. And yeah, just, it was again, a very gradual thing. An idea popped into my head. I wanted to share what I learned with people and I got positive feedback. And so I I kept going. Wait, hold up one sec, Mina. You have to give us a quick breakdown of what SAS is because when I went on your speaker bio page, which is amazing, by the way, I love your title one-liner, which is Sastronaut and front-end architect. (laughs) Like, that might be my favorite thing I've read in a very long time. (laughs) So so just break down for our listeners, what is SAS, Sastronaut? It's not software as a service. It's something else, It's not that. No, it's not that. it's a um, it's a CSS pre-processing language. Basically, the, the easiest way I can describe this is it adds a lot of programming uh, power and logic to CSS, which is not a programming language. So it gives you the ability to write and um, compile CSS in a more programmatic way. So you can um, have it generate things with like generate a lot of code by writing very little in the SAS pre-processing language. Um, love so yeah, it. I guess that's, that's the best way to put it. Love I it love so it. much. SAS or not. <laughs> uh, put that on your business cards. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. 
that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. I just had a great conversation with Michael B. Jordan, and you can listen to it right now. Michael is known for his performances in both film and television. His breakout role was in Fruitvale Station, playing Oscar Grant, which earned him widespread praise and numerous award nominations. His portrayal of Killmonger in Marvel's Black Panther, one of my favorites, further solidified his status as one of Hollywood's leading actors, earning him widespread acclaim for his complex and compelling performance. In our conversation, Michael really opens up. You're going to love listening to it, and I can't wait for you to check it out. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. It's always the feeling when you're getting ready to, you know, people give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. People quit. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to The Limit Does Not Exist with Christina Wallace and Kate Scott Campbell. So you have a history of giving back and of helping build the skills in others that maybe you had to learn the hard way, right? So um, you're running these public speaking workshops. You've also volunteered with several of the the leading CS education initiatives like Black Girls Code. Um, You founded the Dallas chapter of Girl Develop It. You seem intent on helping others learn these things that you had to learn the hard way. Based on these experiences and, you know, your personal experience coming to tech through this non-school-based path, what's your perspective on how to get more diversity into the top of the funnel? How do we get people who are not just the white boys interested in this type of work while they're still school-aged? Oh, wow. That feels like a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
there's probably there's a lot of different answers to that and i am by no means like an expert in like diversity and inclusion but i would say based on like again my experience i did black girls code because i wanted little girls to see someone who looked like them doing the kind of work so they could kind of see that it was a possibility mm-hmm. so i think part of it is showing and exposing these type of careers to uh, young girls and young uh, black girls and uh, black boys and like young people of color early to let them see that it is a possibility. So, yeah, I, I remember when I was teaching like how to make a, a, a simple like one page website to a bunch of 10 to 12 year olds and just I would see like the light like their eyes light up and they realize that they can make something happen on their computer screen like just showing them like the power that they have like power that they can have with technology and coding this, this one little girl was intense on like making the new like Facebook Instagram hybrid like she already had like this huge <laughs> she had this like 50 year vision like of like where she wanted things to go and like being able to just kind of like plant that seed like you actually you can do this with the right training (laughs) you are able to make this happen so i i think part of it is like making sure that we expose them to these type of careers early on so that they are able to you know see that it's something that they can do Mm -hmm. part of it also i think like when it comes like actual like hiring practices um doing more um to make sure that that the hiring process isn't how do i put this tailored towards one type of person or one type of uh, educational background. Mm-hmm. Um, part, like I said before, like I kind of had a, uh, I had some difficulties in certain areas because my skill set wasn't, didn't follow what they were expecting. Mm-hmm. Also, like if you don't come from a traditional CS background, you're not going to succeed in certain types of interviews. Like I felt like interviews that required me to do whiteboarding or like algorithmic type interviews, that mm-hmm. was setting me up to fail because that is not what my background is. And I am mm-hmm. not, I'm not equipped for that type of environment. Mm-hmm. So I think that tailoring or adjusting the hiring process so that it allows people from different paths to succeed and to make it through mm-hmm. would be helpful. And that's not saying that you're lowering the bar or anything. You're just, you're, the bar's being more realistic. And you're like, the bar was never like realistic to begin with. If, that's <laughs> the only kind, if only one kind of person can make it through your hiring process, mm-hmm. the bar was not, it was not good to begin with. So yeah. I would say like, Adjusting the hiring process to make sure that people of different backgrounds are able to you know, succeed and able to showcase their skill sets, mm-hmm. but also to remove any kind of like unconscious biases from the hiring process as much as you can. Mm-hmm. I know that um, on the campaign we had uh, we made sure that there was a, a woman and whenever possible a person of color on all in every interviewing panel because we wanted to make sure that people with different kind of uh, backgrounds and different kind of experiences were able to have to talk to every candidate and to put in their input. Mm-hmm. We tried to make sure that no one person was interviewed by a panel of like basically all white guys and. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I found like, we got a lot of positive feedback, both from the candidates themselves, but also from like the other our other engineering uh, our 
engineering a teammate saying that it was great to kind of hear what other people, what like different kind of people were talk were uh, thinking about a particular candidate. Mm-hmm. We also did like cross-functional uh, interviewing processes, so it was like not just engineers, but engineers and product people, like anyone who was going to interact with this person at some point. We tried to get a variety of like data points about them. Um, so yeah, I would just say like for one, exposing. Uh, underrepresented groups to the concept of coding, the idea of coding early on would be helpful to like ensure that they're able to to get to that uh, pipeline, to actually get to that job interview, and then adjusting the interview process to make sure that it is an accurate representation of like different types of people. Totally. Well, related, or or maybe not, because you can take this question anywhere. Um, since our podcast is called The Limit Does Not Exist, we like to ask our guests, what's one time where you felt limited in your education or your career, and how did you overcome it? Um, I'd say that probably early on in my career, I felt limited in the kind of work I was able to do. I was doing a print design for uh, phone books. I don't know if people like remember that phone book, <laughs> at point, but yes. I was doing a print design for phone books, oh which gosh. is a kind of limited and I'll just say boring <laughs> experience. And I stuck it out for a long time, actually much longer than I probably should have, and because I I didn't know what else I could do. Like at that point, I didn't feel like my skill set was a development and engineering. I didn't feel like my skill set there was enough to really let me leave and try to pursue that full time. And so I felt, yeah, I felt very stuck for a long time. And Mm -hmm. that was during, during, it was during that time that I started to beef up and learn and dig more into like other people's source code and like try to beef up those skill sets in order to do more of what I want it to do. But yeah, I felt like yeah, very, very like stymied and limited in that particular uh, part of my life. So I'm going to shoot for the moon here. What's something really big and crazy and ambitious that you want to take on in like, I don't know, call it the next 10 years? Oh, wow. Just big and ambitious, crazy thing. <laughs> that could be anything too. That just, really let's just could, like make it... Could... <laughs> All I mean, you could say like, you know, swim to Alcatraz. And I would say, yeah, that's big and hairy and ambitious. Um, so, you know, t- any direction you want. <laughs> okay. I do have this ambition of visiting every single continent on the planet. Um, I would say speaking at a conference in every single continent. Um, oh, you're oh. upping that. Love I that. am upping it a little bit because I'm putting it out there because I, so far this year, will hit every continent but Asia and South America. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. If anyone organizing events in those two areas, hit me up because I have a goal. <laughs> So what about Antarctica? Do they have conferences down there? Are we going to make that a solid seven? Do penguins come? Well, I was was going to say based on Sastronaut, can you take it into outer space? Let's just completely... Yeah, the space station. Maybe they could use some CSS work or something. I know they could. I am so cheerleading that however I can to have just Mina at a space station doing her thing. That is my new goal now. I will not rest until I'm teaching someone on the space station about CSS. You heard it here 
astronaut. I yep. dig it. Um, so oh awesome. my goodness. Okay. It is time for the lightning round. These are just five quick questions. We call it the lightning round mostly as a reminder to ourselves uh-huh. to move quickly through them and not ask follow-up questions and go down rabbit holes. So <laughs> we will do our best uh, to not ask follow-up questions. And you, you get to just answer with whatever the first thing that comes to mind. You don't have to mm-hmm. explain it or give a defense of why you like this particular thing. You just have to answer it. Sound good? Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kate, why don't you kick it off? <laughs> Sounds good. Okay, question number one. What are you reading right now? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Ooh, yes. yes. Dying to good read choice. That. Okay, okay. <laughs> uh, okay, question two. What was the last thing that made you go, wow? Christina loves to live that I question. Do. Well done. I, that, you're going to see a theme here, but Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. <laughs> I've heard very good things about that. Okay, Kate, over to you. Amazing. I've just assigned myself the San Francisco-themed questions since we all know (laughs) I have some hometown pride here. Okay, Mina, Blue Bottle or Phil's San Francisco coffee question? None of the above. (laughs) Ooh. Shut down, Kate. (laughs) I I do not uh, have, have, uh, what's the word? Loyalty. Uh, I don't know. I do Wait, not have so loyalty either way. Above. Do you we drink coffee, Mina? Is, is there, no, oh, ah. This is painful, though. Okay. Okay. <laughs> you're right. That we is we dug dangling. the ditch. That's right. You know what, listeners? If you want to know her her actual answer to this, go tweet at her. And maybe <laughs> oh, she'll no. tell you. Yes. <laughs> this is the mystery. Okay. Okay. Question four. Other than design, coding, public speaking, and mentoring... What else is in your Venn diagram? Maybe something that's not super obvious to people who only know you professionally. Baking. Baking. Favorite? Favorite thing. Oh, gosh. Can I ask a follow-up question? No, you cannot. So much to tweet at Mina later. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Last question. Over to you, Okay. Last question, Mina. Uh, Give a shout-out for a woman who's doing awesome things in tech who might be kind of under the radar and deserves a little extra love. I'm going to go ahead and give a shout-out to my friend Amelie Lamont, who is a product designer at the New York Times. I don't know how under the radar that is, but (laughs) she is doing great and wonderful things, and um, she's a very good friend to me, so, like, I... She's probably the closest thing to, like, I guess a design mentor that I have, so, yes, shout-out to her. Awesome. Amazing. Mina, thank you so much for hanging out with us. Uh, It has been so fun to have you here. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Oh gosh, our pleasure. We, for all of the follow-up questions that you too <laughs> wanted to ask but couldn't of the lightning round, where can our listeners find you on Twitter? I'm at Mina Markham. There you go. Awesome. And you can go to our show notes for links on the article we talked about at the top, as well as links to all of Mina's projects and work. You can check her out and learn more about the things that she is working on, because she's definitely someone to watch. Thank you so much. Have a great night. Thanks, Mina. Thanks. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. 
Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app. Apple Podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 